Hello, everybody, and welcome to In-Depth, presented by the San Antonio Express News. My name is Luis Vasquez, and I'll be your host as we bring in journalists, editorial board members, and columnists to give us an inside perspective into the stories they bring to the Express News each week. Today, I'm joined by staff writer Diego Mendoza-Moyer. He joins the show today to talk about the latest on CPS Energy CEO Paula Gold-Williams' resignation. Welcome to the show, Diego. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, Luis. How are you? Fantastic. It's good to have you on the show. So let's get started. Um, let's talk about Paula Gold Williams in more of a let's talk about her history with CPS first before we get to her resignation. She's been with the company for 16 years and CEO since 2016. Can you talk a little bit about her background and her time at CPS? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so she came from Luby's, the, you know, sort of um, buffet kind of lunch uh, restaurant chain uh, where she was a chief financial officer. So that's kind of her background is in finance and accounting and, and that sort of um, aspect of business. Uh, and so she came from Luby's to CPS Energy, um, I believe in 2005 and, and or 2004 and, um, you know, kind of worked her way up from being, um, uh, you know, I think uh, an accountant or controller and ended up becoming chief financial officer at CPS. Um, and then she was, uh, she was named interim CEO after the previous CEO, Doyle Benneby left and, and she was interim CEO for about eight months or, or you know, closer to a year, uh, before she was named CEO. So, so that's kind of her background. She, she really has a, a financial, um, you know, sort of education. That's kind of her training. And I think that's kind of how she approached the job was real, um, focused on dollars and cents. And how was she viewed as, as CEO? Um, what was her kind of style? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I think that she, you know, she had she's been really successful in a lot of ways, right? Which is hard to say now, but but you know, she I think really kind of pushed uh, CPS Energy to onto this, you know, the flexible path strategy, uh, which is sort of um, the idea is to incorporate uh, you know more renewable energy sources over time, um, you know, to make sure you don't have any sort of shocks to the energy system here. Um, and, and so, you know, that was kind of her, her strategy as a leader. Um, I think she was, you know, she struck some in the public, I think, as being um, kind of, as I, I alluded to, a little bit um, numbers oriented, a little bit maybe cold kind of to the um, political, emotional side of, of running CPS. You know, obviously, it's city-owned utility. You have to be responsive to the public. And I think those were the, the criticisms of her were that um, she was a little bit, you know, cold, calculating, not really quite as... Um, you know, maybe warm or sort of um, charismatic, maybe uh, as some, you know, maybe in, in CPS or in the public wanted her to be. Um, but, but you know, saying that her leadership style was effective in, in some ways, right? And she, um, uh, you know, like I said, she she had uh, incorporated the strategy. But on top of that, you know, kind of her financial discipline prevented CPS from having to seek a rate increase for several years. So, you know, her, her leadership style had a lot of um, critics, but I think there were also a lot of, um, you know, identifiable wins that came from her uh, leadership at CPS. One, one of the quotes that really stuck out in one of your articles was, we aren't looking at individual people. We're looking at the stability of the grid and trying to help San Antonio through this situation. That's one of the ones that struck some people as lacking empathy, but she seems like a big picture kind of person. Yeah. And, and so, you know, that quote, it's, it's in some ways, you know, it's, it's, it just comes off as, as very, um, you know, unconcerned about the struggles that I think San Antonio's face kind of on a, um, during the winter storm in particular, right. Just, just day to day trying to get through the, you know, this deep freeze and no electricity and stuff. And so I think that that tweet, um, you know, struck some people as, as like I was saying, you know, maybe a little, cold and not quite as, um, you know, kind of emotional and not quite as connecting to the, the public. Right. But to be fair to Paula, you know, when they sent that tweet, you know, they were talking about, um, uh, you know, outages uh, being sort of 
you know, commanded by ERCOT, the state grid operator. And so, you know, in some ways, it's not really Paula's job to think about individual people. It is to think about, hey, let's let's keep the stability of the grid going. You know, let's, um, you know, let, let's just basically make sure that we've got power citywide um, and not really worry about kind of the, the struggles that people were having because, you know, we've got sort of bigger uh, concerns, I guess. But, but it, you know, it's hard not to sort of look at, at some of her comments and, and um, uh, just the way they kind of approach communication and, and not think, man, you guys could have been maybe a little bit more, um, you know, empathetic, a little bit more, um, I guess, caring in your language, right? So I think that was one of the big criticisms was just the, the communication during the storm was just not, not quite what I think the people of San Antonio were looking for. And so staying on the winter storm and trying to bridge the gap here, is, is her resignation a direct correlation to the storm and everything that happened back in February. So I, I would say that that um, you know the winter storm is what really turned people against CPS. But I, I would say that there was there was discontent with Paula before that. I think from people in the environmental community um, who thought that maybe Paula was a little bit uh, not sharing information enough with the public. You know, particularly related to like the spruce coal plant. And there was a lot of criticisms of, C, of, of Paula and CPS before. The winter storm, but yeah, the, the winter storm was just kind of that thing that uh, I think it, it made the broad public turn against CPS. Whereas before, I think you know where CPS had its critics. I think generally the public was um, you know sort of happy with CPS. Hey, they keep the lights on. Our rates are pretty low. Um, so while there may have been some critics of, of CPS, I think it was it was generally kind of thought of as hey, you know, it's a power company to keep the lights on, whatever. And so I think the storm was kind of the thing that that made more people aware of CPS and critical of CPS. So I think that's what, what, uh, you know, turned the tide against Paula. But, you know, I, I, something I, I, I want to be careful about saying, because, you know, it, it, it's, it's interesting because like, like I said, there's a lot of um, critics and, and things like that of Paula, but, but really, you know, if the storm didn't happen, I, I think it's safe to say she'd still have her job. Um, and there would still be those critics there. But yeah, I think the winter storm that happening is really what, um, and then, of course, there was a lot of cascading effects from that, but I think that is what sort of pushed her out. Um, and we can talk about more kind of the other factors that led to it. But really, I think the winter storm was kind of the big one just because, you know, public sentiment had totally turned against CPS. Just to oh, I do want to talk about other stuff regarding CPS, but when is her official last day and uh, what's the search for CPS going to look for a new CPS CEO going to look like? Yeah, so this is kind of an interesting thing because right now she's a lame duck, right? And and we we don't have a determined timeline for when she's going to leave. The um, I think the quote that they put in the press release announcing her departure was just in early 2022 is when she's going to exit. Um, so we really don't have a timeline. And and kind of interestingly, the you know CPS Energy had its uh, its board of trustees met on Monday, um, and you know kind of the directors of the company and the mayor Ron Nuremberg is one of them, and. You know, there was no discussion about a potential, um, you know, replacement for Paula, an interim CEO. There was no discussion about um, kind of succession, right? And and I'm sure that they're discussing the, those things, uh, you know, privately. But it, it just is interesting to me that there's really um, almost no discussion since Paula announced her resignation about who's going to potentially replace her. And it just strikes me as, it, you know, it's going to make for a very uncomfortable few months if, um, you know, Paul is still installed as a head until, you know, say February, right? I mean, that's several months down the road and it's, it's hard to see how Paula can, um, you know, still lead the company when everyone, uh, just, you know, sees her as a lame duck and, um, you know, she just, uh, you know, the word we use is embattled and I think she's just under a lot of pressure. 
Um, so I, I just, we, the timeline is unclear for when she's going to exactly leave. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't see how she could stay on for, you know, multiple more months with, without some other head leading the company, right? Because she just is, is uh, you know, the CPS has this rate increase coming and there's just a, a, so many different issues they're trying to juggle. And I just don't see how you can handle that without a kind of a more firm um, CEO in place, you know? Well, to move on to a different topic, I'm glad you brought up the rate increase. Um, shameless plug uh, for Puro Politics. You should go listen to it. Uh, we had Scott Hodleston on this week to talk about the Trish DeBerry and Sheriff Salazar stuff. And uh, Greg Jefferson talked more about CPS as well. So go listen to those podcasts. Uh, but Greg Jefferson brought up the point that before the pandemic, we were looking at a rate increase regardless. We had older systems, the population was growing and CPS needed to needed to have a rate increase just to keep up with demand and and the population. So now we're talking about rate increases and how much or how how little to do, to to increase. Well, let's talk about the rate increases and why there's such a sticking point right now. Yeah, so CPS has definitely been very um, careful to say that uh, despite the pandemic and the winter storm, which caused uh, very intense you know, financial damage to CPS on their own, CPS has been very careful to say, hey, those are part of the reason we're having a rate increase, but really we needed one before. And a big reason is because you know, I think uh, since CPS Energy last implemented a rate increase and um, you know, it was approved in late 2013 and went into effect in early 2014. Um, and it was, it was, you know, 4%. And so since then, I believe CPS Energy has added, you know, over 100,000 customers. You know, you can think about the growth of San Antonio just since 2014. It's significant. And so if you think, you know, hey, CPS, every time somebody moves in here, every time there's a new housing development, CPS Energy has to, you know, build new infrastructure. They got to, you know, put the poles up. They got to put the wires up. They have to put all these, these things that I think we kind of take for granted, but are, are, you know, pretty big investments to, you know, provide electric service to a new area or to, you know, like I said, a new subdivision. So they, they had a lot of expenses there. And then, of course, you have kind of the broader economic issues right now uh, related to like higher commodity prices. So, for example, copper, steel, um, you know, earlier this year, lumber was very expensive. And uh, if you think about it, I mean, think about the, the wooden poles that you drive by all the time. Those are, you know, CPS has to, to purchase lumber and, and, you know, do that for their physical infrastructure. So they have higher costs and, you know, they've cited, um, you know, they, I think they've lost 100 employees in the last several years uh, for a variety of reasons. And, and you know, they've, they've said, hey, we, we have to pay more uh, to attract employees, you know, to attract uh, talented engineers and and um, you know, the math and science types of people you need to have at a utility. Uh, so there, there's a lot of different factors that are, um, you know, uh, causing CPS to seek a rate increase in addition to the pandemic and winter storm. So I, I really do think that's, that's something to note that, um, even if all this stuff hadn't happened and the winter freeze had, hadn't happened, CPS probably was still going to seek a rate increase, uh, just because, you know, it's hard to sort of, um, make investments in your company at you know the costs that are in 2021, but the pricing you're getting from your customers is is you know prices that were set in 2013. It's just hard to make those match without a rate increase, even if the pandemic or winter storm didn't happen. Which another note, I mean, there's been a big executive exodus uh, from CPS Energy this year that we can talk a little bit more about. But you know, on the rate increase, uh, Corey Kashinsky said the other day that um, you know the initial estimate was you know maybe 10 to 15 percent. Um, which would have a pretty significant bill impact on a lot of customers. And he, he said on Monday that 
um, the rate increase is likely to be closer to 8%, you know, so to, to raise customers bills about 8% on average. So I think that's about $12.50 per month for the average residential customer. So um, hopefully it's moving in the right direction. Uh, we got some news yesterday about utility assistance. We can talk about that more as well. Um, the city is directing $20 million of money from the federal government to um, help customers catch up on their past due bills. So that's basically, you know, effectively $20 million in the CPS Energy's uh, you know, financial accounts. And so, you know, hopefully that 20 million will, will maybe push down the rate increase even further, you know, down uh, more from 8%. So that's kind of where we're at. It's still in flux. Um, it looks like the rate increase is going to be smaller than was initially expected. But, um, you know, CPS's financial health really depends on this rate increase for a lot of different reasons. So, um, and, and by the way, there's a lot of, you know, the, the timeline for the rate increases is um, questionable now with Paula. Um, gone because there's some questions about, you know, previously with Paula in place, um, you know, the expectation was that um, CPS Energy would, you know, they were they were planning to seek the rate increase hopefully by the end of this year, and then they would implement it um, by early February. And so that was kind of the initial plan. And now with Polygon, um, you have kind of some interesting politics at play where, uh, you know, I was talking with some of the, the trustees of CPS Energy, the five trustees, including the mayor, um, who really uh, make a lot of decisions about, you know, whether this, the utility should seek a rate increase or whether it should, you know, invest in the power plant or, or whatever. They make the, the kind of high-level decisions. And so one of the trustees, Jamie Gonzalez, told me after, you know, Paula announced her resignation that, you know, we need to hold off on seeking this rate increase. Uh, you know, we need to sort of get the, the trust of the public and um, we just need to, to get our house in order, was a quote. Um, which, you know, you, you can understand it's, it's kind of hard to, um, make the case for seeking a rate increase when you don't really have a, a figurehead in place and, and, um, there's just so much turmoil at the utility. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, Corey Kashitsky is saying, Hey, you know, our, our finances haven't changed with Paula's exit. You know, our, 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 um, you know, our need for this rate increase is still there. And you've got, you know, city council saying, you know, we want, like, we, we understand the need for a rate increase, but we want, in order for CPS to get a yes from us to increase rate, you know, the rates, we want CPS to, you know, give some concessions back to us. So there are a lot of different um, political dynamics at play. You've got uh, kind of the financial side, you know, within CPS, you've got the financial side to say, no, you know, regardless of Paul leaving, we need to go forward. Then you have the trustees saying, no, 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 we're going to hold off. And then you've got council, you know, kind of because they have to approve a rate increase. You've got them saying, Sure, well, you know, we'll approve a rate increase, but let's talk about what you can do for us. You know, for example, commit to closing the spruce coal plant or, um, you know, any number of other things. So, you know, rates are, a, it's a, the rate increase is a very interesting, um, just, a, it's, it's going to be a very political, very contentious process. Um, and I'll be really interested to see how the, the dynamics, um, play out, you know, within CPS and, and with council and, um, kind of all the politics at play. Speaking of politics and just everything going on at CPS, can you talk real quickly about the Bonewell controversy? Yeah, yeah. So, so Fred Bonewell is the former chief operating officer at CPS Energy, and he he's been there I think since 2015. So he has a you know decent track record at the company. And so Fred Bonewell was promoted uh, after the previous chief operating officer Chris Euster, a very highly respected individual. He left CPS Energy to go be CEO of another company um, in February. So Paula promoted Fred. And I think that that, that uh, you can, you can really draw a line where I think that was the moment where Paula lost any support when she promoted Fred, because, you know, it turns out um, 
at the time she promoted him, CPS Energy was aware of at least eight complaints that had been filed against Fred since like early 2018. Um, and some of these complaints, um, you know, they suggested that Fred was, uh, you know, Mr. Bonniewell was, um, you know, having very lavish uh, work lunches and, and very frequent work lunches. Um, you know, they accused him of, of just leaving the office for hours at a time with his top assistants and, you know, nobody would know where they went and they'd have to, uh, you know, reschedule his meetings and they have to do stuff like that. There was, you know, allegations. He walked into a meeting and said, where are all the Mexicans? And, um, you know, another, just, just there, there was a number of these kind of just ugly allegations that he, he seemed to kind of operate uh, with impunity there at CPS and, and without a lot of accountability. And so uh, when those reports were made public or those complaints, um, you know, Fred was uh, placed on administrative leave and he resigned shortly after. And, you know, I think Paula resigned maybe five days after Fred left. And I, I think that that was, you know, the winter storm turned public opinion against CPS. But I, I think, you know, from the perspective of, let's say, you know, the mayor or some of the trustees, I think when these allegations came out against Fred Bonniewell, you know, that, that basically, you know, showed that CPS knew about some of these complaints and that they were legitimate, right? That, that Fred had done some improper stuff. And yet still Paula promoted him after, you know, to, to chief operating officer after Dr. Eugster left. So, you know, as much as, you know, I, I, you can sort of heap a lot of praise on Paula for her time here at CPS, but you can look at that decision and go, man, that was, that was one of those things that just, she couldn't recover from was, was, you know, the fact that she promoted this guy when the, the, the utility knew about this long track record of complaints and incidents um, that suggested that he wasn't, um, you know, the best, the best guy for the, the chief operating officer job, which is the second in command of the utility. Well, I also, before I let you go, and I know I've kept you here longer than, than I said I was going to. No, I, hope, I, hope I'm not, uh, I hope I'm not talking too much. <laughs> no, no, this is great. This is great. What I, You've written about CPS like six times in the, the past 10 articles or something like that. Talk, can you talk to me like as a journalist, what it's like covering something like this? You're probably talking to a ton of people, getting a lot. Of, how, how are you organizing yourself? I, I want to know more about your style. Like, are you taking notes down incessantly? Are you someone that's that has a recorder and you go back and listen to stuff? Like, what's your process like when you're covering something um, as kind of expansive as this? Yeah, I mean, I, I um, you know, certainly I'm not trying to toot my own or too much or anything. I mean, I'm not, you know, certainly other people could, could cover CPS well, too. But I think my, you know, I've been covering CPS for well over a year now. So I've, I've been able to, um, you know, see uh, this process play out kind of from a, um, you know, sort of a zoomed out level. But so, yeah, I mean, my, my process of reporting on CPS is, is just, um, you know, I certainly do a lot of research on, you know, from the data side, looking at, you know, the Energy Information Administration and ERCOT, different websites to kind of understand the, the generation side of, of the utility um, industry and just sort of how that works. But, but you know, the last few months, and I, well, really since the winter storm, um, you know, I've written so much about CPS because it's just, I would say that energy systems have been in focus this year more than, um, you know, probably in most years prior and particularly in Texas, right? In the, you know, after the storm. So, uh, you know, I, I've focused a lot on energy because it's been such a big story this year. Um, but, but my process, and, and it's interesting because, you know, throughout the course of that year, the pandemic has, um, you know, it's it's somewhat it's kind of waned somewhere here in Texas, and so you know early in the year I was 100 percent virtual. I was you know sitting in my my kitchen basically um, you know 
just calling people and just, you know, for example, tuning into board meetings virtually and doing things like that. And so while I was able to, you know, and I, and I think then when I was virtual, I really leaned on, you know, researching data and doing online research. Right. Um, and that was kind of how I was able to, um, you know, learn about sort of the power market in Texas, you know, to write about in the wake of the winter storm and, and things like that. But as the, you know, we've sort of shifted to more in-person, um, you know, events and things like that this year, I would say that's really um, improved my reporting. And, and I'll give you an example. Um, you know, on Monday, uh, like I said, the you know CPS Energy had its its board meeting, which is always a big event every month where they kind of talk about the biggest issues of the utility. Um, and I was able to go to CPS Energy's headquarters in person. Um, you know, and they've got a big lobby right outside the boardroom where the meeting's going on. And um, you know, they're just sort of executives, you know, CPS Energy executives, kind of milling about and. Um, you know, people from the public, you know, coming for, for public comment or, or what have you. Um, and so that it, it's just interesting. It's something you took for granted when, you know, you can be in person, you can just go up to someone and I, you know, I just, you know, the, the chief financial officer of CPS energy came and sat down with me the other day. And, you know, we, we, and, and he actually didn't even present at the meeting, but most of my story, uh, that day was derived from quotes that he gave me where we're just sitting at a table outside this meeting room, just chatting. And I'm just asking him, you know, his, his thoughts about, um, you know, how they've been able to lower the rate increase. But, but, you know, also, you, you, you know, you ask them, Hey, man, you know, how is this for you? What's this process like for you as a person? You know, what, you know, what's your day to day like? And you kind of slowly develop these relationships where people are maybe more open to you. They're, they, they see you less as, um, you know, a, a microphone to speak into and they, they see you more as a, a person to conversate with and to discuss things with. So I would say that's that's kind of just the the development of interpersonal relationships as the pandemic has faded somewhat has been a big um, part of my reporting process this year I would say, uh, but in addition to that I mean yeah it's <laughs> it's a lot of watching meetings and going back and listening to you know quotes that Paul Gold Williams gave a few months ago to understand um, you know the transition of, or sort of how this process has played out for CPS Energy you know go back a few months ago and maybe think about um, how they were viewing. Um, you know, for example, the, the, the bad debt they've accrued from, you know, customers not paying their bills and CPS suspended disconnections, um, at the start of the pandemic, you know, you can go back a few months ago and look at maybe, Hey, you know, we think we're going to, you know, people are going to get caught up by this and, and, and they're not. And so you, you, you basically just see the, the process and, um, you know, CPS energy's expectations versus reality, which is an interesting, you know, as you cover something for a long time, you can kind of see, well, you guys are saying this, it's not really working out that way. So that's kind of, I would say, a, a big part of my reporting process was seeing kind of CPS energy before the winter storm and after the winter storm and, and how that um, really transformed the utility, I would say. That's so cool. Well, Diego, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you and all your insights. I appreciate it, Luis. Thanks for having me.